It's a long way home from here. I won't be back in a year. Cause all the fallen leaves, the birds, the breeze, capture me again. And all the lies you tell someone else sure could use a friend. And welcome back to another episode of Into the Wilderness brought to you by Seawell Canada. Uh, we are still coming to you live from our conference in Halifax, Nova Scotia, winding down day number two here. Uh, lots of excitement, lots of fantastic sessions uh, still happening today and on tap for tomorrow. And uh, of course, we have our big evening event uh, scheduled in a little bit. It's just around dinner time out here on the East Coast. Um, happy to be joined by another guest uh, and, and presenter and also uh, a colleague of mine. Uh, so I'm, I'm very happy to welcome Julia Zhu, who is our uh, Associate Director of Co-op at Brock Uni Co-op and Workplace Partnerships. Actually, I know the role, the role changed um, at Brock University, so we have the pleasure of working together every single day. Uh, but today I'll, I'll remove my Brock hat and, and keep my Seawool podcast host uh, hat on as uh, we talk a little bit about the world of co-op. Um, and obviously with Seawool, you know, we, we accredit schools, programs uh, in co-op where it's, it is the, you know, the pinnacle in terms of work integrated learning and, and the most robust form of it for many reasons in terms of um, duration, intensity. I, I always like to think of the consistency element because, you know, you can say that word in most corners of this country uh, and it means the same thing. Whereas, you know, other types of work integrated learning differ. Um, so you presented a session earlier today uh, with, with Kara Kresik around uh, titled In Pursuit of, of a Sustainable Staffing Model. And I know some of the work that you've been doing uh, behind the scenes and, and with others in the world of co-op is, is really kind of changing the mindset of the typical perception that, okay, co-op is the, the office that gets students jobs or, or the perception that it's just a placement office. And, and I, you wanna go back to an episode that, that I had uh, with Robert Wooden where we talk about you know not using the word placement because it carries a lot of different meanings to different peoples and it creates assumptions that, you know, students just show up and the jobs are there waiting for them on a table and, and here you go, you're gonna, this is what you're gonna do for the next four months. So you've been looking at some other things like, you know, words like, like competency development, skills translation, and all of that being just as critical to the co-op process as the work itself. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, some of the things that you're looking there ways that you think that we can change, you know, just the kind of the status quo of, of co-op when it comes to competency, skills, those types of things. So thank you, Dan, for having me. Uh, I have to say it takes a lot of courage to actually come to be on the show. It's a friendly so, environment. Yeah, I'm excited of this. Uh, I think so in terms of uh, co-op, when we say Co-op, it actually, what that true meaning behind this, very often we've been looking at as placement agency because mm. the co-op directly translates into it's a work experience. But what we have been doing is shifting uh, from the mindset about, oh, co participating in co-op, therefore I can get a job, to become an educator model at Brock is that the output of co-op education is a job, you get a job or your co-op work term. But the learning outcome of co-op education is really help students to gain the confidence, the um, skills and knowledge necessary for their next step in their career journey. Because one thing we recognize is with all the disruptions that we're facing nowadays, 
no one is able to predict what kind of jobs are out there, particularly for our students. They can do a co-op position this summer, but two years down the road they graduate. That job may no longer exist, right. or you may no, never going to step into the same job uh, after you graduate. So no one can predict what kind of jobs are out there, but what we can do then is really to help them build that confidence when they confidence in terms of their abilities. Of, I know what I can do because I've approved myself while I'm on the co-op work term, but also confidence when they facing uncertainties, knowing is that I know how to go about develop myself. So where this is coming from is then that waving in the uh, career programming mm -hmm. from uh, career development model to at the Brock, we have our 10 core Brock competencies that we've waved into our co-op programming to really help students understand uh, how uh, from skill identification to translation and then articulation. That is a life skill that they need uh, for yep. no matter what kind of a career journey that they have. We often tell our students and also parents is in the perfect world, when our broad co-ops and graduate, that they can go about creating their own jobs. This is no longer about is there another job board I can go look for these opportunities and, and apply for them, but they know exactly how they can get there mm -hmm. and what they actually want. So that's kind of an educative model that uh, we are running. And I would say in the last of, uh, seven years, we have been fortunate to be able to start scaffold one our career programming from year one to four into our undergraduate programs. And at the same time to building a team that is able to deliver that or supporting our students. But when we come to the Seawell uh, conference this year, we thought about, uh, and one of the questions we've been trying to figure out an answer is that, what is that equi equilibrium for your student mm -hmm. and the staff, right? So this is for all the, uh, I would say, anyone working in the will uh, realm from whether you're directors, managers, or co-op pra uh, practitioners, is the frequently asked questions, what is your student to staff ratio? Sure. So, oh, how many people you have? Like, do how many student staff facing staff you have, and then how many employer facing mm -hmm. staff you have? So, no matter how many uh, these questions or how many times you go talk to your colleagues, it's comeback is, you know, I feel like I'm more than confused uh, than even before asking the question because <laughs> everyone has a very different way of designing their team from roles and responsibilities mm -hmm. to level of uh, the um, service to the scope of their support to their students. And then depending on the structural, yep. you are centralized, decentralized, um, what programs, type of co-op programs you're offering, size of co-op programs you're offering. There is always a lot of nuances goes into what actually the staffing you need then through the pandemic, I think for any of our uh, will practitioner here, uh, I'm sure all of us gone through the similar experience back in 2020 March when this whole shutdown happened, right? All the phone calls we have to make to reach out to our students and the employers in that very short period of time to check in with our students and making sure they're okay, what is the contingency plan with their employers, talking to our employers, explaining our expectation and our support for uh, the employers and the students that are still doing co-op. At the same time, looking at oh, what's happening for our 2020 spring work term mm -hmm. students that already got the job offer. 
that intensity and the layers that the co-op staff have to take on is again goes back to the complexity of this. We need to facilitate a uh, the hiring process, yeah. right? Co-op is a competitive uh, recruitment and selection process. We have to monitor the work term quality, making sure all the interest parties involved in that process are satisfied with uh, the experience itself. Then you have your student as partners, you're trying to engage them, motivate them, coach them along their journey. You have import employer partners, not only to support their hiring needs, but also educating them in terms of best practices, mm -hmm. how they can um, be able, uh, under how can they facilitate a meaningful experience for our students. Then we also have our faculty, our uh, academic units we have to be responsible for reporting to or um, just in terms of the partnership to, to, um, with them. And then here you go with the senior leaderships, really trying to help them understand what exactly the things that we do, the value that we add to the institution. Then from the operational side, talking about marketing, communication, mm -hmm. your all the paperwork, data tracking, data reporting, uh, technology, any of us using Orbis or Simplicity platforms, right? constantly looking at how we can have better data, how we can utilize that yeah. platform more efficiently, to even as simple as from recruitment, admission, or student continuation. All of these layers adds up. is like you're running a little institution yourself. Um, so with that, it's again adds to the complexity. When you only have so many people, you have their lean team. Who are they? What are the tasks that they need yeah. to take on? All the hats they have to wear. Then you look at all, all the managers, the leadership team in the co-op room. You think about if you have a standard car, how many gears you need to have in your car that you're constantly shifting every day just so that you can making sure you are offering the service and support um, that is uh, expected from your employers, your student, and your faculty partners. Right. right. So that is what we're trying to figure. So what exactly is that um, formula yeah. for a uh, sustainable staffing model? Because you also see, particularly through pandemic, right, the impact even on our own team from the well-being, the pressure that they are handling. You feel like every day there's a fire you have to put off. Yeah. The intensity and the quick turnaround. We work on a four-month or 16 weeks, if you feel, if you will. And if you look at the 16 weeks, Five days a week, that's 80 business days yeah. to get this turnaround with hundreds of students or even say thousands of co-ops and you have to send out on work term and then uh, hundreds and thousands of students on work term you are trying to support and then there's the hundreds of thousands of students in the pipeline to embark on their uh, yeah. co-op job search process. That is a lot. It's a lot. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot more than just... The, the work experience and that being the only thing. So mm -hmm. a lot in there that, that I, I want to just unpack little pieces of uh, with you. Again, I'm, I'm positioning myself as if I don't know what you do on a day-by-day -day basis, more so for our listeners, um, and, and kind of how you've gotten, at least in, in this case, Brock's co-op department to where it is. So you mentioned it was a seven-year, it's been kind of about a seven-year process. Mm -hmm. um, what is, like, I, I think for, for the people listening in terms of how, you, how the co-op team functions at Brock, what does it look like, you know, in a, in a nutshell type um, piece? Because you mentioned, yeah, there's, if, if people have to take on multiple roles, then where is there enough time in a day to be doing 
you know, if, if someone's responsible for securing job postings, but also responsible for coaching the students and prepping the students. And now if we're going to build in something like career development, if that all falls to the same person, is that sustainable or is it that you need to kind of diversify? So what does this look like at Brock in terms of the way that you've got the team set up? Right, so uh, right before pandemic, actually, our co-op within co-op career experiential education, we've gone through what we call the reset. We use the word reset from a more positive uh, notation rather than calling it as a reward. Sure. So where we actually split our, we call them that time, important managers, we split that role be, um, into two. There is the student facing, they are, we call them talent coaches. Then they're the ones supporting students with their job search as well as supporting them while they're on co-op work term. Okay. Then we have our talent partnership consultants who are employer-facing. Their ones go out, hunt the opportunities, promote uh, Brock, promote our students to employers, and their goal is really to making sure any opportunities that we have, uh, we want to import hire right. a Brock co-op student. Then from there, we also we have the talent development specialist that uh, are supporting students getting prepared for their upcoming job search. On top of that, we have um, we work with our uh, sister units now is called the Center of Excellence for Career and Experiential Education. They're the ones help us deliver the programming okay. uh, of our co-op professional preparation course, which is very standard, I think, for most of co-op mm -hmm. schools have that piece that's mandatory to students. But we have gone through in the last actually five years, we've gone through minimum six iterations of what that wow. programming looks like uh, from before is the basic of you take this course, really the purpose is take the course so you know how to get a job sure. for co-op. Yep. Okay, cover letter, resume, interview skills, we Basics. really hold on, on those. Then what do we realize? The students, co-ops have no idea about career planning and the development. Right. Right? So now you look at our programming, we started off from introducing our career development model that Brock uses to the Brock core competencies. And then we talk about the skill translation and then looking at articulation. Then we still have the basic resume cover letter piece mm -hmm. into that. We also introduced the technology, VMOC, as uh, the uh, AI tools to help us alleviate this whole um, mechanical of resume reviews, cover letter feedback. So we can help our team elevate the conversation when students come in to us to really talk about their career interests, but in the concept of co-op. Okay. And then from there, uh, we also, uh, in, during the pandemic in 2020, we uh, revamped our work-term reflection. So we're doing competency-based work-term reflection with our students based off our broad competency. We think that is also very unique to us uh, as well. So when our employer providing feedback, rather than calling, calling it as a performance evaluation, but it's more from a professional development on their competency development. So very often we hear from employers like, oh, we have our own performance evaluation, we're gonna use our own, or we have, uh, you know, your evaluation doesn't speak to the job that we have. We adopted it as having both employers and students reflect on the Brock, uh, 10 core competencies. Okay. Where the behaviors building is how these are, uh, the, these are kind of the behaviors students are demonstrating. So in that, case, uh, in that uh, regard is that it helps really for students to link what they did on their work term back to their academic training. 
because that's a learning outcome、right. or meeting their、uh, degree learning guides that set for the academic program. So it ties into oh, this is why I'm doing it. And then when they go back look at their academic curriculum, it speak to each other, right? right? So from a broad competency point of view. One and I. I Find that interesting because you know I think if we look at other types of work, integrated learning or experiential learning, and that's always the the top you know priority or or, or top thing of mind of what are the learning outcomes of of this project or because it's all you know it's embedded directly in the courses and and even just from my experience on the experiential side、mm-hmm. it, that that is the struggle of making sure that students understand why am I doing this. Service learning or community engaged learning project in this course. What will that do for me? And I, I like the fact that you've been intentional with building this into co-op, so that they they think of it more than just the work term, right? It is where does this fit into, you know, whether it's my career goals, aspirations. Where does this particular job at this organization fit into my plan?、Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, maybe it fits really well. In other cases, maybe it doesn't fit at all, and that prompts them to pursue something different, their next work term, right? All those we, we, you hear people talk about it all the time. It's but it's. That behind the scenes, those conversations or those reflective moments that push students in different directions.、Mm-hmm. If you don't have those conversations with them, then yeah, how can you make sure that they're on the right track or that you're, you know, enabling them to go in the directions they want to, and then you know, helping them navigate whether it's their second or third work term in a way that's positive for them.、Um, You know, if you try to articulate, like, what is? I'm going to come back to art- articulation in a second because I want to just. Pick your brain a bit on the competencies, but you know the true learning outcome of co-op, and is it is it that complete picture of everything that goes into it? And, and I think that's kind of what you're you're hinting at, right. right? It is more than just Monday to Friday, four months worth of work. Exactly, and I also think the the way how Brock set up with our co-op career and experiential all un, in under one umbrella is if when you look at a student experience going into a post secondary institution. I think it, adopting the similar same language, right, to help students connecting dots, like all the experience、yeah. they gain through university, whether it's academic, co-curriculum, actual curriculum, working toward learning, all of those things is said that the competency, the career development is almost that red thread. Yeah. Go through their entire journey. So for them, is again goes back to is, uh, uh, it's not necessarily going to go back to the same job after graduation. But what's not going to change is their understanding about their own competencies, and then the ability to be able to relate what their experience to imports in the format of skills that imports understand.、Right. So very often, I think we say there wasn't a skill shortage. There is a misalignment、yeah. about understanding what skill means, and then for the, in the labor market, right? Well, and that's again how how are we coaching students or? or Prepping students to articulate their、mm-hmm. skills, articulate their competencies, and I remember, I think it was the the second or third episode of this show. I had Laura Fife from、mm-hmm. Brock, who I, I know has been involved in in building out these competencies again now in the Center of Excellence. This was you know, probably almost three years ago, so it wasn't what it is you know, established today. It was still being in, you know kind of in process.、Um, how does it does it work with the, the do the students kind of look at those ten and and identify The top two or three, or does the co-op team get involved based on what you know about the work terms and through check-ins and you know work term reflections, and, and then you kind of identify that, or is it a, a joint process? So, from a competency-based work term reflection, is a 
students will identify, they pick three to five competencies okay. they would like to develop um, the first four to five weeks of their co-op work term. And then there's the uh, continuous reflection, mm -hmm. so the midterm uh, reflection. Then we, when we do our work term check-ins with them, we look at those competencies. We also have instructions and manuals for our employers is that these are the conversation needs to happen okay. to help our students understand or what are the competency they would be that they can look into to develop through this experience and how what are the opportunities during this work term that they can uh, work on those competencies then there's the end of the term yep. uh, for students to reflect upon and as well as employers to give that feedback on the, all the 10 competencies that uh, Brock uh, has yeah. right and and I like that you know you, you take the time and you've built out resources to educate the employers as well because yeah every every school may not have this um, or, you know they likely don't but in terms of if, like when Brock students are coming to an employer, this may be a component that the supervisor has to evaluate that they don't have to do for other students from other schools. So it's good that it's not just like, yeah, this is what we do and, and mm -hmm. figure out kind of what these mean. Um, but it's in terms of the, the competencies themselves um, and when students kind of you know identify, is it is it just they identify the competency? Is there an intensity or a rating? Is there like a yeah, scale? Yeah, there are different levels okay. that they will identify to evaluate where their current level is. Then as they're going through their midpoint and final reflection, then they're going to rate themselves again. And one of the things that's interesting is that depending on the type of work, mm -hmm. because for undergraduate students, for example, they have multiple work terms to sure. complete. So let's pick one of our competency is about applied knowledge, how you apply your theoretical training or all the understanding into the practicality of work. So in their first work term, maybe they are the beginner level, then uh, at the end of the term become proficient. But as they progress through their uh, education, the type of work terms or complexity of their assignments, like work term assignments could be more complex too. So you could often see then even for their second and third work term realize, oh, I thought I'm pretty good now right. as applied knowledge, right? But in a new circumstances, it could be a little bit different too, right? So right. That, that's where we find very often students realize that. And the other piece with this is um, because at Brock, we have uh, over 40 different uh, co-op programs across right. six different faculties. Uh, some of our early findings is interesting to look at different programs, mm. right? Like mm -hmm. if it's you have a public health to a, uh, to a dramatic arts compared to accounting, yep. What are students rating as their top three competencies they felt developed? And what employers identify as the, you know, the top three competencies that they look for? And then also by industry. It's surprising. It's very similar. There may be orders are different. Yeah. But then the, the, um, the top rated ones are very similar. So then the, again, goes back for us to have that career conversation with the students, particularly with many of our social science and humanities students, their career path is more nonlinear. Sure. That uh, a more diverse the career path is to really help them understand looking at the competency, looking at the skills, transferable skills, uh, rather than just the credential, right? A psychology students, they never perhaps uh, be able to get a work term as a psychologist. Sure. But what are the transferable skills they're gaining and how they can apply that when they graduate, going to that path as well. So again, that speaks to, I think, the complexity about uh, running a co-op program. Mm -hmm. And then um, in addition to just getting students' jobs, 
right? There is that educational piece goes in. Absolutely. Actually takes or consumes most of our team's time, that coaching and also motivation, yeah. motivating our students uh, about, to, you know, w- what are the things out there and help them manage through that journey uh, as well. And I will say is the model we, like with, even within our team, when we look at it is student as our partners, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but at the same time, who is in the driver's seats of this? I do think the institution owns a lot of that res- uh, responsibilities. But when you look at the ecosystem, students, employers, institution, then the co-op office itself, everyone has very distinct roles and responsibilities. Yeah. And then we all have to uh, be accountable for that in order to have a successful experience itself, right? The overall journey of that. So then again, is when we talk about all the different hats we have to wear, it, it is a very daunting if you think about all the things, right? We talk about like risk management yeah. even, of when uh, troubleshooting, when students don't do well or uh, employers don't have a, a sophisticated HR system, you have to go into almost a look, uh, work as or act as their HR personnel right. to guide the employers along the journey. So I think for the students and also our uh, senior leaderships is again understanding the intricacy behind running a co-op programs is very important Mm -hmm. uh, because then that speaks to why why there is a fee charged to it and then why we need the staffing resource that we need in order to do what we do and do it well right we won't i won't unpack the fee topic uh on this call Mm -hmm. maybe we'll book a a follow-up one for that Mm -hmm. because i know that's uh that's always been a, a you know a hot topic in the world of, of co-op, and I think, right. you know, even in my work with and again in experiential and other types of will, where you get to the point where you have to consider you know from a revenue generation angle of, of what can be done to sustain you know robust staffing models, which we we do have at Brock, and I know other schools do as well. Um, super interesting, you know, having the, the students rank them on a scale. I 100% agree in terms of transferable skills and competencies regardless of what program you come from or the name that's going to end or the the title that's going to end up on your degree and if you subscribe to you know brainstorm strategy and and the reports that come out of there it is the same you know things that that employers are looking for in students and the same top skills it doesn't doesn't discriminate by program right it's communications knowledge ability those types of things um and it's similar to what students are looking for in uh what they think employers are looking for. There's a slight discrepancy in kind of the top rankings of each, but mm-hmm. I like the fact that you can have them look at it, you can have them look at these, the development of their competencies work term after work term. If they identify a goal to you know, strengthen one that they've identified before, okay, has the second work term moved the needle in terms of how I see myself um, mm-hmm. from a professionalism angle or, or pick the competency that you want to. Um, when I extrapolate that out to other types of will, I don't think it's... Uh, any different. I think it, it's something that people need to be mindful of is how are we allowing students to reflect on whatever other type of will they're doing um, and then how that's also building their skills and again how do we teach them and how do we educate them to articulate that. So whether that's you know if they're doing something in second year and they're not going to have a job interview, let's say they're not a co-op student and they're not going to have a job interview potentially for another two and a half years and I've talked about this again on, on previous episodes about educating around skill conversations to do it in the moment and not let them go two and a half years and then try to remember 
the skills and competencies they've, they developed two and a half years ago in their second year course. Um, I've been talking to a few individuals here at the conference, which it's, it's amazing to kind of have all these people that work in, in similar spaces together because it's just really amazing for ideation. And it's how do you, you know, how do you scaffold will? And I think co-op has, has been very intentional with how it's scaffolded across degrees, you know, a minimum of three work terms, but with other types of will, it's not as stable. It's not as consistent. Sometimes they are, you know, kind of one-offs, but in cases where you have the support from administration, you have faculty support, if it's, if we're talking curricular uh, will, how can you make it so that there's some stop along the way in every year of a student's journey? So whether, you know, first year all the way through to fourth, if we're talking about a, a typical four-year degree, or if it's a shorter degree, again, making sure that there's something at every point along the way so that you can track development of competencies. If you only have one, you can't really do too much, but if you want to track professionalism in a business student, a student in a BBA program, how can you make it so that at every point along the way, they've got something? So maybe they've, they've got something in their first year. In second year, maybe they have their first work term or they have another curricular will experience. Build it out, whatever works for your institution. You know, it might, it's probably going to look different at every single um, instance. But where can you build a model that allows you to have a touch point with them? Every, everywhere along the way. So I'm, I'm a huge believer in educating students around articulation. I love what you, you know, how you've kind of changed the, the model maybe of what used to exist in terms of co-op, at least at Brock University and where others might look uh, to duplicate some of that or again, intentionally build in that career development conversation and whether that's having to add some additional staff to, to be able to do that. So it's not just one person trying to do everything. Uh, which I know, you know, in a lot of cases, that's just the reality of, of the work mm -hmm. environments that we've gotten, the budget that's available. But, you know, how do you make the case if we want to do more with students to better the outcome at the end of the day, um, that these are the, the conversations that we need to have and, and the intention that needs to go behind it. So I want to thank you for taking the time uh, again after your session, probably want to you know, take a little rest and decompress a little bit. I keep catching people after their sessions, um, but I, I think it's good because, you know, you had an intention going in, you delivered a talk, you got some feedback from your audience. Um, so thank you for coming on the show today and uh, going outside your, your comfort zone a little bit. I hope it was okay. Um, thank you for having me, Dan. Yeah. You're welcome. And uh, again, we got a couple more episodes scheduled uh, before the end of the conference here. So We'll get those up as always. You know where to find the show, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We now have content on YouTube. So if you'd rather uh, observe the conversation and listen at the same time, uh, feel free to go to Seawell Canada on YouTube uh, and seawellcanada.ca for everything else Will related. And uh, love in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Just excited to have an in-person conference again. So until next time, uh, we will see you later. Back in a year, cause all the fallen leaves, the birds, the breeze, capture me again. And all the lies he tells someone else, sure could use a friend.